The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello and welcome to the Luma Sales Full Discretion Funds quarterly update, where portfolio managers share their thoughts on the markets and their strategies. My name is Erica Casal, and today I'm here with Elaine Stokes, one of the portfolio managers on the full discretion team at Luma Sales. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thanks. Happy to be here today. Um, and I'm certainly happy to have you uh, because it was definitely another um, eventful start to the year. Um, and I guess let's let's start off and focus on the most recent and unfortunately severe event, which was this this banking panic that we saw in March. Um, and maybe keeping your comments relatively high level, but from what we've seen from initial reactions from regulators and and reorganizations in some cases, do you think there's a high risk of contagion throughout the banking sector? Um, and what do you think would be the largest ramifications you'd expect on the marketplace? Yeah, so Erica, as I think about this, I don't think I would call it contagion is what I'm worried about. Um, Because to me, contagion would mean an overall banking crisis. And quite frankly, outside of the U.S., in the large, um, larger banks within the U.S., regulation is is really strong and we really have a secure banking system. I think this was a little bit more um, isolated, but what it was was a sign and kind of a proof point for us that the central bank policy was working, right? What really caused this to to happen was that money is moving away from riskier investing, moving away from investing in crypto and startups and venture capital and all these things that people were reaching into and moving back into more traditional markets. And that really was what tripped up SVB and and kind of got the whole thing started. So we got that proof point that central bank policy is actually starting to work. We now all know that lending is shifting to away from riskier bets to safer bets. The thing that I do think will happen is we will see continued tighter lending standards as we tip into a slowdown or downturn. And we also saw that liquidity is still awful in the markets. When there is any type of hiccup, liquidity just disappears. And when you're talking about a hiccup, the short end, the reference rate, basically, the short end of the treasury curve, that everything else is priced off of, it can really be something that's very destabilizing. When something like that happens, we got yet again that security that governments are going to step in. And they stepped in quickly to take care of this and to to right the markets and put us back and ensure a footing. They did it, you know, a couple weeks in a row. We all get to work on Sundays. And that was yet another proof point that we still have that safety net. So I think my takeaway is, you know, we're a little further along in that in what the reaction is from central bank policy moving from zero to five percent, basically, and that central banks are still going to remain very involved in the markets for the foreseeable future. 
And really, I guess taking a step back to your point, persistent inflation was really the the ultimate driver of a lot of the volatility we continue to see. After everything that happened over the past month, would you expect the Fed to pivot their interest rate strategy? Yeah, well, you know, that's what the market is trying to tell us. The market is saying, you know, maybe we get one more quarter point up and then by the end of the year, we have a couple cuts. By January, we have three cuts. That's what the market is telling us. What is my takeaway from this, I think, in in our takeaway as fixed income managers, is that the range of outcomes for what the Fed is going to do is much, much tighter. We're talking about maybe 25 up, maybe a pause, maybe 25 or 50 down through the course of the year. Well, if if that's all we see for the rest of the year, that is not destabilizing, right? That is something we as fixed income managers can work around. So I think what we have to look at is the risk in our portfolios has shifted from interest rate risk, which was all we could talk about and think about last year, to credit risk. You know, again, another like tipping point here where now we can see that we need to be more worried about credit and what does a downturn look like and who are the winners and losers in that downturn. So it's a it's it's a mindset I I feel much more comfortable with and and like as as an active manager and one that I, I think we're we're kind of ready and prepared to to move into and happy to move into. And of course, you know, the U.S. is only really part of the story. Um, you know, we made it past the European winter, but we continue to see higher inflation um, and financial strain beyond our borders. Can you just give me, um, you know, your quick take as far as what's happening in the, the global marketplace? Yeah, I think the biggest thing to think about right now in the global marketplace is that we all kind of went into the last downturn, which was actually COVID, together. And we're all coming out at different paces with having spent different amounts of money in, in a different, at different times, right? So it's, it's kind of the unsinking of the global credit cycle. The other thing that I think is super important and, and is going to be something we're going to have to watch probably for years to come is that as we go through this deglobalization and this um, almost zoning off of world economies into like-minded um, groupings, commodity players are going to be extremely important. And, you know, there were some very large countries with commodities and some very small countries with commodities. So I think it's going to be important for us to really know and understand the levers that those countries can pull. So what we've really done here within, it's it's actually very similar to what we've done um, within the rates and credit market, is it's now more about not whether you're in the U.S. or not in the U.S., it's where are you going? And, you know, look to the commodity players, look to look to um, the big countries with a lot of friends, <laughs> look to uh, look to people that countries that have an advantage in how they came out of COVID and who came out of COVID earlier. 
those are going to be some of the stronger economies and and we're we're feeling like the diversification benefit that can come from not being as US centric as we have been in the last few years will really be a positive for portfolios. And now shifting gears a little bit and taking a closer look at the portfolios. Um, as a reminder to everyone listening, the full discretion team does manage a, a full lineup of products that range along the risk return spectrum from more conservative, more, more core plus products to a more yield and total return enhancing multi-sector products. Uh, starting off with the Core Plus product, the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund, the institutional share class of this fund was up just over three and a quarter percent, outperforming both of the listed indexes over the first quarter. Could you provide some color on what helped and hurt performance in the first quarter? Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, let's start with a little perspective here. It was such a crazy quarter, um, but when all was said and done, it almost feels like not a lot changed. Um, we went, uh, absolutely yields came down if, as measured by the 10-year yields went from 388 to 347. So down about 40 basis points. But through the quarter, we had more than a 75 basis point swing. We look, when I look at high-grade high credit, yields are a little bit lower but spreads are a little bit wider. And I'm talking like 10 basis points wider. Within high yield credit, spreads are even a little bit tighter and yields are lower. So not what you would expect for me to be saying after we just went through the type of turmoil we went through, right? It, it felt so much more risk off, but when all was said and done, it got right-sized or right-sided very, very quickly. So, in the Core Plus portfolios, we were relatively neutral on duration. So that, that 40 basis point move really didn't affect us one way or the other in a, in a substantial way. We had really to look into credit selection to see how the portfolios did. What I thought was probably the most interesting thing when I was looking through everything and, and really thinking about the market is that in the investment grade credit space, banking was our outperformer, which just doesn't seem to make sense. But we were positioned in higher quality, um, up in capital structure and credit Swiss, shorter end, and it was and it was a strong performer. Within high yield, again, finance was a strong performer. Uh, as well as communications and a, and a couple one-off like upgrade story type of bonds. On the negative side, um, we did have a few issues within the riskier spectrum of EM, convertible bonds that underperformed. They were more about issue selection than those sectors being under pressure. And now switching towards the multi-sector products, those are the Loomis Bond Fund and the Strategic Income Fund. Um, again, these are the multi-sector portfolios that can invest meaningfully in sectors like high yield, non-dollar, and equities. Um, using the Bond Fund as a proxy, that fund actually returned just over 3%, so slightly underperforming the listed bench, which is the Bloomberg U.S. Government Credit Index. Um, Elaine, for these 
products, you know, what helped in herd performance the most for, for the past quarter? Yeah, you know, again, relatively neutral duration, yet a little bit underweight treasuries. So we did fine in that in that space, did did well in our investment grade credit. And it was just some issue selection in some of the in in emerging markets, in high yield, in obviously in a product like multi-sector that can take on a little bit more risk, we saw a little bit more, we have bigger position sizes and, and, and we're affected by that a little bit more. What's interesting is since then we've continued to grind tighter in those sectors and issues that underperformed and making up some of it just in these couple weeks since the end of the, or week and a half since the end of the quarter. And again, looking ahead, um, you know, there's been a lot of mention in the news about a recession, potential recession on the horizon. Your team's portfolio construction process does include taking that top-down macro view of the marketplace. And last time we were together, uh, I believe you maintained that the team's view was that we were still in the late expansion phase of the credit cycle. Has that changed at all in the new year? No, we we still are. We still believe we're late expansion, uh, a little later than we were the last time we talked. Um, and we're starting to see the cracks, right? We've got our proof point. We're starting to see the cracks. The Fed, you know, their their you know their policy actions of last year are, are working, and we're seeing a slightly slower economy. But we're still seeing like surprisingly mixed data. And that is what keeps us in the camp that, yes, the Fed might only raise one more time and then pause, but we don't feel like there are going to be a lot of quick rate cuts in the near term. We still see employment just a little too strong. We still see inflation also just a little too strong as there really are a lot of tailwinds to inflation um, from a more secular story like the deglobalization, decarbonization, um, the demographics. A lot of those things are still a, a push to keep inflation up. So similar to how the market is thinking, but I think it's going to take a little bit longer for us to really hit that downturn. This economy has just been a little bit more resilient. The other thing that we think is interesting about the way this cycle we believe is going to play out is the consumer is still staying pretty strong, and that's because they're employed. And if they're, if inflation is getting to them, you know what? They can go out and get a second job because there's so many other options out there still to do that. So the the consumer had some extra cash coming into this, and they're still employed. They're still spending. Services are still doing great. The cracks that we're seeing are really on the other side of the economy, more in the manufacturing, where we are seeing, and we would expect to see a bit of a profits recession there. That looks a little bit different and could be a bit milder. And I guess speaking about, you know, positioning broadly across all of the portfolios, your team really did take a more favorable view on, on slowly adding duration back throughout 2022 and throughout the first quarter. Is that view changing in, in today's environment? No, no, I think I think if we think back to what I talked about earlier, it's really not all about duration. And at this point, and really 
really anything when I'm thinking about valuation right now, we're really focusing in on the the scenarios. What's the upside? What's the downside? And what's priced in? And from our perspective, there's really not enough return there by, by taking a big bet one way or the other. And we'd rather focus our return, our alpha in credit selection, where we're already getting that, that nice yield out of um, the reference rate. We're at relatively wide spreads, you know, high yield at 450 plus over is attractive. Um, triple B's at close to 160, 170 over is still relatively attractive if, if we're not expecting a deep downturn. So we love the absolute yields here in corporate credit. We also like the dollar prices that we can buy at. The average dollar price for the high yield market is 88. So with that extra spread, extra yield, and those dollar prices, you know, relatively neutral on duration, and, and take your risk in these credit markets that are giving you a real opportunity. Great. Thank you, Elaine. And, and finally, and arguably, you know, the, one of the most important parts of your team's portfolio construction process really is that, that bottom-up security selection, particularly within credit. And so your team incorporates six pillars uh, That's as far as security selection goes. Uh, fallen angels, cheaper rating, upgrade candidates, stressed or de-stressed parts of the market, avoid the losers, and new issue premium. Uh, given where we are in the credit cycle and, and your outlook, what pillars are you finding the most interesting today? Well, it depends on the day. <laughs> Had you asked me three weeks ago, it was stressed and distressed, right? It was what's going on in the banking system and what are the opportunities? What's being kind of, what babies are being thrown out with the bathwater? And, and we were rolling up our sleeves and trying to decide what to buy within banking and finance. And, you know, when you're this late in the cycle, you're going to continue to have those type of opportunities. So we would expect that, you know, we don't have one right now. Right now, things are relatively stable, but we will continue to be able to buy in that stressed and distressed area probably for the next six months. Avoid the losers is also important as you're going into a downturn. And this is not when you reach to triple C's. You know, the same reason why investors are kind of steering clear of you know, startups and venture capital and crypto is is why we are being really careful about what triple C's we're looking at. So stay away from those lower rated credits that don't have a good story going forward and don't have funding to withstand um, what is potentially going to face them. We've also been lucky enough to still be riding that, you know, um, upgrade candidate wave. So, um, which is surprisingly, because when, when cycles come at you as quickly as they've come at us, you know, some of what you would normally expect to have at different points in the cycle are all kind of rolling in together. So names like Uber and T-Mobile and Netflix and Teva, all, all, you know, big positions in the portfolio are really looking at upgrades. And, and that's been 
unusual for us to be able to ride that this late in the cycle. So that's been fun. And then, you know, new issues have been sparse, but every once in a while, a new issue comes in one of those names that isn't, you know, one of the serial issues like the bank banks or, you know, in a somewhat different type of sector and we've been able to get involved. So uh, Micron and Teva are two examples just from this past, um, you know, this year. So we are always going to keep our eye on that. And if, you know, it's one of those issues that isn't so easy to get done in the marketplace, we're willing to do the extra work and step in. I really appreciate your time today, Elaine, and and thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Um, And for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the Loomis Full Discretion Funds and how Elaine and her team run these strategies, please reach out to your Natixis wholesaler, or you can visit us on our website at im.natixis.com. Thank you. Important information. Standard performance as a percentage for the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund as of March 31st, 2023. Class Y, 3 months 3.31%, year-to-date 3.31%, one year minus 3.56%, three years 1.80%, five years 2.19%, 10 years 2.36%, Class A, 3 months 3.25%, year-to-date 3.25%, one year minus 3.81%, three years 1.54%, five years 1.91%, 10 years 2.10%, Class A with 4.25% maximum sales charge. 3 months minus 1.16%, year-to-date minus 1.16%, 1 year minus 7.90%, 3 years 0.09%, 5 years 1.03%, 10 years 1.66%, standard performance as a percentage for the Loomis sales bond fund as of March 31st, 2023, retail class, 3 months 2.92%, year-to-date 2.92%, 1 year minus 5.43%, 3 years 2.01%, 5 years 0.08%, 10 years 1.46%, institutional class, 3 months 3.01%, year-to-date 3.01%, 1 year minus 4.98%, 3 years 2.50%, 5 years 0.55%, 10 years 1.96%. Top 10 holdings for the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund as of March 31st, 2023. Company percent of portfolio U.S. Treasury bonds 3.250% May 15th, 2042, 2.59%. U.S. Treasury notes 0.125% August 31st, 2023, 2.52%. U.S. Treasury bonds 2.250% February 15th, 2052, 1.63%. U.S. Treasury bonds 2.000% November 15, 2041, 1.38%, U.S. Treasury notes 0.125% April 30, 2023, 1.01%, JP Morgan Chase & Company 4.125% December 15, 2026, 0.88%, AstraZeneca Finance LLC 4.875% March 3, 2028, 0.78%, Goldman Sachs Group, Inc. 4.482% August 23, 2028, 0.77%, T-Mobile USA, Inc. 3.875% April 15, 2030, 0. 0.63%, Bank of America Corp. 3.419% December 20, 2028, 0.59%. Performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold. Current performance may be lower or higher than quoted. For most recent month-end performance, visit imnatixis.com. Performance for other share classes will be greater or less than shown based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains, if any. For the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund, gross expense ratio 0.79%, Class A share, 0.54%, Class Y share, net expense ratio 0.74%, Class A share, 0.49%, Class Y share. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire.
expire on April 30, 2024. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios may be the same. For the Loomis Sales Bond Fund, gross expense ratio 0.93%, retail class, 0.68%, institutional class, net expense ratio 0.92%, retail class, 0.67%, institutional class. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 2023, when an expense cap has not been exceeded. The gross and net expense ratios may be the same. Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund Risks Fixed income securities may carry one or more of the following risks. Credit, interest rate. As interest rates rise bond prices usually fall. Inflation and liquidity. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Below investment grade fixed income securities may be subject to greater risks, including the risk of default, than other fixed income securities. Mortgage-related and asset-backed securities are subject to the risks of the mortgages and assets underlying the securities. Other related risks include prepayment risk, which is the risk that the securities may be prepaid, potentially resulting in the reinvestment of the prepaid amounts into securities with lower yields. Loomis Sales Bond Fund Risks Fixed income securities may carry one or more of the following risks. Credit, interest rate. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall. Inflation and liquidity. Below investment grade fixed income securities may be subject to greater risks, including the risk of default, than other fixed income securities. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Currency exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. The Bloomberg U.S. Government Credit Bond Index is the non-securitized component of the U.S. Aggregate Index and was the first macro index launched by Barclays Capital. The U.S. Government Credit Index includes treasuries, i.e., public obligations of the U.S. Treasury that have remaining maturities of more than one year government-related issues i.e., agency, sovereign, supranational, and local authority debt, and corporates. Credit quality reflects the highest credit rating assigned to individual holdings of the fund among Moody's, S&P, or Fitch. Ratings are subject to change. The fund's shares are not rated by any rating agency and no credit rating for fund shares is implied. Bond credit ratings are measured on a scale that generally ranges from AAA, highest to D, lowest. The CBO Volatility Index, VIX, is a key measure of market expectations of near-term volatility conveyed by S&P 500 stock index option prices. The CBO Volatility Index, VIX, reflects a market estimate of future volatility volatility, based on the weighted average of the implied volatilities for a wide range of strikes. First and second month expirations are used until 8 days from expiration, then the second and third are used. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit imnatixis.com or call 800-862-4863 for a prospectus or a summary prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully. This material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed are as of January 11th. 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Distribution, LLC Fund Distributor, Member FINRA, SIPC, and Loomis, Sales & Company, LP are affiliated. Adtrax 1468933-311, expiration date July 31, 2023, POD 96 March, 2023.